I was there when, when you were pregnant. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had, it was the deviant art meet. Yeah. Deviant art meet, yeah. Was it, was it, it was it at the London, London Zoo? Zoo one? No, where was I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know, but I mean, why wasn't I at a oh. deviant army? I was on deviant <laughs> It was like, um, let's go to the zoo and draw some animals. Yeah. Okay, I couldn't draw. There it was. Oh, that's so Yeah. Yeah. Can't believe you guys met off deviant I don't know what I expected from <laughs> you guys met, but I don't think it was that. The cursed actual <laughs> intro. Oh. Well, thanks, deviant for all the gifts that you brought all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you just sit there looking like you just look at me like, yeah. just like, like yeah. anyway like like create content now <laughs> yeah it's just like well it's not my episode i did the yeah. whole thing last yeah. week so yeah. welcome to brent barricades the layman's podcast this is nemo your moderator how oh, you say them pronouns and all i can think about is something that happened like two weeks ago but it's been in my head today hit it then someone i i was so I was doing a project and we had these like pop-up tents and it was that thing of like once we'd like taken them all out we were like so anyone know how to put away pop-up tents <laughs> and so like I spent some time doing I, I looked at the instructions and then put away the pop-up tent and I was like wow I did that in like under 10 seconds like how the fuck did I do that that's incredible like, if anyone's ever tried to put away one of those yeah. fold away tents so I, I became the expert on how to fold up tents and then, you know, you get like the, the circle bag to carry tents in. Yeah. So that we didn't lose them, I put them inside the tents. Uh-huh. And then, so I was like... Closed it up with the bag inside. Closed it in with the bag inside. <laughs> and like, I was like, where the fuck have I put this bag? I can't find it. Oh God, I'm so stressed, blah, blah, blah. And then just had that moment of like, oh. And then like had to throw the tent away <laughs> again. And someone just looked at me and went, you know, genuine cinnamon roll. And I was like, what the fuck? People shouldn't say that out loud. <laughs> I didn't know how to react to that. Like, yeah. Someone I respect as well saying it. Who like who I know in the back of my head is a fandom person. But I've only met, I've only really worked with them in like a professional sense. So when they say things that are from like DeviantArt or something, I'm like, no. I respect you. So... Hi, I'm Nemo. I use the pronouns. I'm your moderator and a cinnamon roll. Yeah. <laughs> is what basically <laughs> yeah, you're leading to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Grace. I'm your primary researcher. I use they them pronouns. I got a job last week. Hell, oh, when yeah. I'm out of college, which is very exciting. Gonna have work. Security. Hell, yeah. Security. <laughs> I'm gonna have ongoing part time employment that I can have alongside freelancing that I could maybe still live off. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I've got to live up to it now. <laughs> but yeah, I received employment with someone who really believes in what I can do and wants to see me go far. I don't believe you. I don't think that exists in the <laughs> no. world. So I'm Grace, I use they them pronouns and I'm the best in the world. Fuck everyone else. That's not what I said. <laughs> no, I'm the, I want well. you to say that. <laughs> in a supportive way. <laughs> uh, I'm Stevie, your secondary researcher. She her pronouns. 
I've done the thing I was doing at uni where I'm like, I don't have enough jobs. Oh no, <laughs> Stevie, no. So I've been doing some freelance stuff and then also some other freelance stuff. But you know, when opportunities come, you're like, but I have to take them because what if one day there's not money? And on Saturday night, I went to karaoke and usually I'm in a booth. And this time it was a stage and I got up on the stage. Oh my God. Shaking. And I was thinking of Nemo. I performed Fernando and with a mic. And before it started, I shouted the Ruby. (laughs) Fernando. Just for me and Nemo who wasn't there. Because the rest of the, it was like all these like, Hindus and women on middle like in middle management there and we were like this Whoa. is a queer space like I, w- I know you've come here for the drag queens but like there's not many of us queers left in here right now because we've all been scared out <laughs> so it was just for me and the like three other queers in the place. That's excellent thank you so much. That's amazing. I've, I've be- slowly become my started my journey to being able to like um, Jean Valjean things where I can just sit here and be like take some of this money <laughs> And go and do good things. <laughs> I've got to do that for Nemo one time. No, two time. Yeah. I've bankrolled you twice. Who's Jean Valjean now? <laughs> the real, the true private donor. Yeah, who doesn't even want to be a private donor? Shit. Yeah. Oh. I fell into the trap. <laughs> You've got to leave the money when you break into Nemo's house on Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> we segued. We segued. Uh, it's like the second chapter that we do, but you know that does. It counts. It counts. It counts. It's it was. It, it's definitely a tidy segue when you spend a lot of time pointing out how you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> also, really tidy because I'm going to be like, now that we've started. Also, Jade is sitting here for the first time. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so might occasionally react, but probably maybe not. Introduce yourself, Jade. Hi, I'm Jade. I'm the Audio director? Is that is that? Yeah. Uh, don't listen to me when I'm saying all of your credits badly. <laughs> I'm or the audio the, director. Or the audience surrogate. Yes. <laughs> I'm just here being a live audience member, being part of this inner circle of these wonderful hosts. Um, pronouns she, her. I'm playing Ace Attorney. <laughs> and listening <laughs> to this wonderful conversation is great. Fuck yeah, living the dream. This is podcasting. So apologies if the audio sounds different. I've now switched where the microphones are, so <laughs> continuity. <laughs> Have fun with that. Yeah. Um, that won't be my problem. Except you literally said that while turning away from the microphone. We have just begun book five, kids. Oh, yeah. We're living it. Ooh. Book five of? No, book five of, like, book two of, like... Uh-huh. Yeah, it's... No, it's book five of book one. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's book five of part one. I don't know how many... I can't even fucking... We do this at least once every few episodes. There are five parts and about ten to fifteen books in each. Um, okay, so this uh, chapter is called A Tale of Progress in the Making of Beads, and we rejoin um, someone, <laughs> <laughs> a mysterious figure who remains unnamed, in Montreuil-sur-Mer, um, um, I think, finally, we are, we're in it. So the chapter starts with, um, after leaving Cosette with um, the Thénardier's um, what Fontaine is doing and it leads in as if we're going to have a Fontaine episode 
and sort of like, oh yeah, well, Fontaine's been doing this and this is what the district is like. Um, actually, it says Fontaine once that it's like, she went to Montreux-sur-Mer. This is what Montreux-sur-Mer is. Let me tell you why this is going to be important. <laughs> <laughs> so the deal with is with um, the town that, like, it's just a lot of effort to say every time. What? Montreux-sur-Mer. M-sur-M. 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 Yeah, m so sort of the issue with MCRM has been that it's quite a small trading town and the big economy in it comes from um, the manufacture of jet beads, which we've definitely spoken about mm. and alluded to a few times. The raw materials are expensive to make the bracelets and like the way that they do it is quite inefficient. So they can't pay the workers very much which means the economy is not very good because people don't have money to put back into the economy and then someone <laughs> towards the towards the end of 1815 a newcomer to the town had had the idea of substituting shellac for resin and also had devised a simpler and less expensive form of clasp for the thing such things as bracelets these trifling changes amounted to a revolution mm -hmm. I, I can't believe I didn't under, underline revolution. <laughs> like, that said, this is a book about revolution. Jesus. Okay, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Um, so that reduces the costs and people, the workers are paid more and then it all cycles through and it's great. In less than three years, the innovator had grown rich, which is good, and had spread the prosperity around him, which is better. We have the usual um, Victor Hugo bullshit of like, he was a stranger to the district. <laughs> Nothing was known of his origins and little about how he had started in life. He was said to have arrived in the town with very little money. A few hundred tranks. 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 <laughs> a few hundred tranks. <laughs> He's just been elephant poaching. <laughs> well, in this AU, that could be... Oh my God. <laughs> I'd read that AU. I'd read that AU. Um, what was it? Jean Valjean like just came back from Africa where he's been poaching like for ivory and then No, I assumed that it was set in I was that it was set in Africa. Somewhere oh, in Africa oh, and he's been that he's been poaching and then he's been reformed and maybe now he's a park warden and oh, okay. doing cool stuff. I don't know. I thought you meant like instead of jet he'd found that he could get cheap ivory if he just killed some just elephants. Killed elephants. <laughs> he killed it himself. Yep, exactly. Does it mention his big, swole body with which he trans elephants? <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves, Stevie. <laughs> Wait patiently. <laughs> um, he talks a little bit about his shrewdness and how he had made a fortune for himself in the community. And um, his clothes, his general appearance, and his speech when he came to Emsaram had been those of a labourer. Um, it seems that on that December evening when he unobtrusively entered the town with a pack on his back and a thorn stick in his hand, a serious fire had broken out in the town hall. Mm. Plunging into the flames, he had, at the risk of his life, rescued two children whose father, as it turned out, was the captain of the gendarmerie. So no one had asked to see his identity papers. He went by the name of Bear Madeleine. Bear? <laughs> you said it like bear. Bear. Yeah. Oh, P E accent. Oh. Like sounds yeah. like you're saying B E A R. Like he's a bear. Big old Madeleine. Bear. Bear. <laughs> P. 
Beth! The, the Beth like, excitement in Stevie's <laughs> face on there. Beth! And we both look straight to each other. Stevie, wait. Just wait. All of these good things but will it's... come. Okay, so, mm-hmm. now, the, um, I began, my annotation at the beginning of that paragraph was, here we fucking go. Mm-hmm. The one at the end was, who could this be? Mm-hmm. And then I had something actually sort of remotely important to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, so the difference is that here, it's a live omission, not an active act. The quote in question, so no one had asked to see his identity papers. He doesn't rip his papers up in this. Mm-hmm. It's not an active destruction of the person who he had been. Mm-hmm. It's a mission he comes into the space perhaps pretending to continue on like he always had mm. but instead this captain of the guard doesn't ask for his papers mm. and it's him he just continues on there's n- it's like a passive change mm. rather than an active change and i feel like that's quite an important difference mm. yeah like i don't want to say stealthing in but just I guess it it kind of assumes that he's not there for like a permanent stay, mm-hmm. like like you were saying, like carrying on as normal, mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. treating this as any other any other town. Yeah. yeah. And then if like we were saying in that special theater Japan episode of helping people, not because he's a specific a specifically helpful yeah. person, but literally, mm-hmm. oh, there's a building on fire, mm-hmm. might as well go and fucking help. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't have the have the sort of there's no active deception mm-hmm. if you know what i mean like it's him going in unnoticed mm-hmm. rather than actively with the intention mm-hmm. i just, I, th- I think that like change from from like a passive deception in the book to an active deception in the play and film i think mm-hmm. is quite an interesting when well, in the film you and i guess the the play as well you go from him tearing the thing up and yeah. then next shot he's mayor of a town mm-hmm. yeah versus limboing under the rules a little bit and just and it's not like he goes into the fire with his papers out like (laughs) burn yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) or like oh my bag burned off i don't have any papers anymore Mm. oh whoops like not Mm. even victor hugo is like and by coincidence all these papers like burnt off and stuff like he still has them which yeah i just think i think that's quite interesting because it's also he doesn't actively destroy the person that he was Mm. Yeah, like yeah. It, yeah. The, that, like you know, the the ripping of the papers and the is like it's such a. I have let go of the person that I was, and now I'm Monsieur Madeleine. Mm. Like that's. Well, and and the the musical cues of it being the same um, as when Javert com- commits suicide. Mm. Like Jean Valjean is no more. Like. Mm actively killing that part yeah. of himself yeah. as well which yeah. kind of implies that you have to kill off the the history your past of being a criminal in order yeah. to like be a better oh you know but mm. it, it's not him anymore it's a different that person, person. Is dead. whereas yeah. this book Valjean is mm. like no I'm still the same I wonder whether how much how important it is that he plunges into the fire and emerges anew uh, yeah, mm-hmm. because that's quite like with the like the biblical sort of imagery yeah. of that is quite strong. I think which Bible thing is that? I anyone off the top know. of your head? I don't know whether it actually is. Or uh, not, well, there's a lot of things being on like places of sin, Sodom and Gomorrah being set on flame, mm-hmm. a flame mm-hmm. because it was 
bad, according to God. <laughs> Those gays! Um, <laughs> yeah, whenever something needs to be built anew, there's the one where I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Believing in God, whether it was Christian or Jew. Uh, probably being persecuted by Romans feels correct uh, that uh, they got put into like a flaming oven but because they had the love of god they came back out and were like totally mm-hmm. fine and not touched by the flames and mm-hmm. um, and then you've got the burning bush mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah there's a lot of uh, flames yeah. as and then also flames purifying things remaking yeah. metal uh, yeah. flame imagery in this essay we will yeah yeah well that's the um, thing. yeah i definitely agree mm. Because he sort of he's had that he's had that moment you know at the crossroads and that sort of mm. thing, and he's sort of decided to become a new person. But there's this thing now where he's thrown himself into the fire and come out to save these children and that sort mm. of thing. And it's kind of sort of a phoenix like yeah. rebirth, you know, like and yeah, now. Victor Hugo get a mythology and a uh, biblical (laughs) imagery in the same yeah exactly yeah and also madeline is like a little cake yeah Mm. like he's just been baked in the oven baked until he's ready he's a big beef cake cake. daddy muffin i literally (laughs) like i was like no father and i was just like it was only a matter of time i was like um the second chapter in this book is just entitled madeline and uh, we get a closer sort of examination of the character in the usual victor style where he sort of tells you a little about about what he's doing and then tells you exactly what you should be taking from that mm-hmm. um every time wait sorry i uh, i think i might have blanked out did did victor hugo do do the reveal of this is jean Valjean no. or is this this no. is still madeline this is still madeline. random madeline yeah this yeah. is still madeline it's i think he assumes that you know mm-hmm. because of i feel like because of he was said to have arrived in the town with a few hundred francs mm. um and then you know the the bat the bat the pack on his back and the thorn stick in his hand like they're all mm. things that we have had. Um, mm. But then I feel like I wouldn't have remembered the fact that he had a knotted stick and yeah, a rugged true. knapsack. That's it, true. But only remember it because we made dick jokes about yeah. it. Like, yeah. and it's Victor Hugo who assumes we never can remember or infer no, anything true. for ourselves yeah. <laughs> until he's like, "What do you?" didn't realize the whole time my whole plan and here it is yeah 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 i don't know it's the like so no one had asked to see his identity papers it's the, oh like, yeah mm-hmm. i guess yeah but he also likes to be think that he's being tricksy yeah does yeah. our victor hugo yeah it might it might be like ah oh, and now we are introducing a new mm. character because he has like done that before yeah. so mm. it could be yeah it's difficult to tell like, whether without knowing you would realize mm. he was a man of about 50 reserved in manner but good-hearted and that was about all that could be said of him and then he continues on to, <laughs> to keep doing that um, it talks a little bit about how the the rapid growth of the industry that he had sort of put together um like the way that he continues on to build this business that boosts this town up um his profits were so great that in the second year he was able to build a new factory consisting of two large workshops, one for men and the other for women. Um, the needy only need apply um, and they could be sure of finding employment and a living wage. Um, Fucking living wage! <laughs> I know, literally living wage. Like, jeez, yeah. 
Um, Père Madeleine um, demanded goodwill from the men, pure morals from the women, and honesty from all. So it's that sort of starting to drop the hints of some of the stuff that Fontaine mm. is going to be dealing with. So the yeah, pure morals from the women and honesty is sort of the thing where you can sort of start to get a like, mm. Mm. Only demands honesty from us, so we're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We no pure well, morals. I don't know. Yeah. Honesty is a bit hard yeah. as well. But I've got to have honesty yeah. and be pure. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and moral. Yeah. 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 Well, you don't need to do goodwill, though, so. <laughs> <laughs> I shan't. <laughs> Scorpio still. Yeah. Yeah, he separates the sexes so the woman could re- could remain virtuous. <laughs> so he's like it talks about him being inflexible in this but it's the only way in which the only way in which he's inflexible um, <laughs> Grace <laughs> winked <laughs> and then goes on to say that it's basically justified because it was a garrison town so like because there's soldiers around mm. It's more justified for moralizing and that sort of thing. Mm. And there's a few opportunities here where there were words that I didn't know what they meant, and I found out what they meant. Oh yeah. It uses it says that because it's a garrison town with ample opportunities for backsliding, and I was like, what the fuck? Is <laughs> what do you do in garrisons, <laughs> which is called backsliding? But it just means like regressing like relapsing into problematic behaviors mm. basically i'm like oh that makes sense but it's a lot less kinky than i expected <laughs> wait so so is in like oh so it's not about like the soldiers are going to be like decommissioned it's about them falling onto bad moral like i think so okay. yeah i feel like the implication is that being around soldiers means that people um like soldiers are more likely to be have bad morals so people being around them it's very easy for like men to fall into bad habits and women to fall into bad habits and fall into bad beds (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) i feel like that's what he's implying right um I feel like that would have been one of the things that's like, this is like the sort of social context of the time that people would have just known, but I think mm. that's sort of what I was taking from that. Um, Does garrison town mean, because it's on, it, it means it's, a garrison is like a fort, right? Or like? No, um, a garrison is like, it meant that basically soldiers, there was a, a garrison, um, so like a training ground or like yeah like training but like basically a regiment a large group of soldiers lived there okay basically i feel it, it's the sort of thing where there would be like an encampment mm. there, basically um i imagine there would also be training grounds involved yeah cool yeah. so yeah the basic sort of implication is that because because he had he's come to town come to the town like this sort of stagnant once so stagnant which now pulsed with the vigour of healthy (laughs) you shut your horn out (laughs) um, unemployment and extreme poverty were forgotten no pocket was so so humble that did not contain a little money so no dwelling so obscure that did not shelter a little happiness and it's interesting as well because he's moved out of like a personal sort of stagnation he's moved out of like this sort of moral not being able to move forward being stuck in the way that he is and as he's come into his own he's been able to also bring that to the people around him mm. so it sort of it does 
ties in more and more with the sort of the thing that they talk about with what society does to you makes you but also the person that you are directly affects the society around you mm. i feel like that's some of that it made me think of my uncle used to be an alcoholic and then mm. became an like a counselor for yeah. people with alcoholism mm. that kind of like mm. once you go through it then you help other people yeah yeah coming you out are especially it. equipped for for that sort of thing mm. yeah yeah, so he's a, a, a businessman who's very successful, but it sort of keeps noticing and keeps mentioning that, like, even though he's made loads of money, like, money doesn't seem to be his main concern. Mm. Um, even though he's, it says, uh, he is well known to have a credit of uh, 635,000 francs in a bank- banking house at Lafitte. But ad- in addition to setting aside this sum, he had spent more than a million in the town on the <laughs> here he fucking goes um the hospital was under under finance he had endowed 10 more beds um the lower town of montreuil um, had only got one school which the which was crumbling um he built two new schools one for girls and one for boys and i feel like that is probably would have been more of a big deal then like to have also built a school for girls feels like a thing um yeah and out of his own income doubled the meager official salaries of the schoolmaster and mistress he established an old people's home a thing then unknown in france and a fund for the assistance of old and infirm work people like he's just doing good work like Mm. um with the building of the new factory a new residential area had sprung up around it in which there were a good many poor families so he installed a a free apocryphal shop (laughs) <laughs> like he's just putting the good work into the community mm. and just what doing... are human needs okay we need yeah. education we need medicine yeah exactly like it's just it's good stuff living wage yeah not just minimum wage <laughs> yeah yeah and also like out of his own income doubled the official salaries of the schoolmaster and mistress mm. it's like it's the thing where he is like he still has a respectable amount of money but he's spent double what he's kept for himself on the town Mm. like it's out of his own income that he's done that it's the sort of thing where like he is actively spending money on the it says later on that Mm. he's um actively spent money on the community before he spent money on himself Mm. um (laughs) jeff bezos (laughs) yep so the thing is like there are lots of people in the town who are gossiping about him and that sort of thing the town gossip said of him He's simply out to make money. When it was found that he enriched the community before enriching himself, they said he has political ambitions. It's because he is very religious. He's seen as, like, because of him being very religious and also doing all of this community work, people assume that he's reaching for for political office because apparently it was very, it was a very commendable thing for um, people seeking office to be doing is political rivalry in those days was almost literally a race to the altar steps mm. which sounds like a wedding thing to me <laughs> weird um, why else would you do good deeds unless you would had something nefarious going on yeah, yeah exactly yeah. well I mean if some really random like ultra Christian guy mm. showed up in your town and started like feeding children and like sending girls to school you'd be like oh i wonder what he's trying to do (laughs) (laughs) this christian guy doing that christian stuff that christian people yeah (laughs) what yeah Yeah. don't trust him yeah Yeah. what's going on 
yeah so there's uh you know another guy in town who um who's you know the big political guy who's like eyeing him up and and has sees him as a threat so it starts but you know has actively been mocking god before but suddenly starts turning up to church all the time because mm-hmm. he sees him as a threat and, <laughs> and um the poor as well as god benefited from this deputy's misgivings for he also endowed two hospital beds making 12 in all <laughs> in case you had forgotten that pear madeleine had endowed 10 <laughs> So, in 1819, it was rumoured in the town that, on the recommendation of the prefect, the king was to nominate Monsieur Madeleine as mayor. Um, so all the gossips who had been like, ah, oh, he's a political careerist, you know, mm. are like, yeah, yeah, fucking, I told you so. This yeah. is like, this is all he's been building up to all this time. The town's mm. losing his shit. And it seems like the um, rumour is correct. And then um, the next day after the nomination appears, um, Monsieur Madeleine refuses it. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, <laughs> what? Um, in the same year, he gets um, he gets appointed for the Legion of Honour because of, he invented this, basically the whole fucking economy. <laughs> um, and everyone's like, ah, oh, like, ah, oh, this is what he's up to. Like he wants grand honors from the uh, government and shit. And he refuses to accept, <laughs> <laughs> of course. And uh, decidedly the man was an enigma. The nobles saved their faces by saying, well, anyway, he's up to something. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we get the um, the district owed him a great deal, and the poor owed him everything. He was so invaluable that he had to be honoured, and so kindly that he had to be loved. His work people in particular adored him, and he accepted their adoration with a kind of grave melancholy. And the which I just think is adorable. Mm. <laughs> I just think that's really sweet. When it um, when eventually you know people in society start to realise that he's very rich the well-to-do people in town start to actually take notice of him in the way that they weren't paying any attention to him when they thought he was just a like a, a business owner and a, and a sort of entrepreneur mm. you know when he starts going up in the world um all of the rich folks start trying to curry his favor so he gets addressed now as monsieur madeleine and but his work people and the children still called him père madeleine they know where it's up and it was this which drew from him his warmest smile Um, (laughs) really fucking cute Um, as he rose in the world invitations were showered upon him society in scare quotes sought him out the doors of Montreuil's most select drawing rooms which of course had been closed to the tradesmen were flung wide to welcome the millionaire frequent approaches were made of him but he rejected them all and then the, it keeps referring back to this sort of post postmodern amorphous mass of gossips that are never quite <laughs> named, um, and says um, the gossips now uh, have a little bit more ground for the stuff that they're um, that they're gossiping about. And the theory is now that he's ignorant, that he's an uneducated man, and that's why he's frightened of engaging with society mm-hmm. because it will re- reveal that he doesn't know how to engage with polite society, mm-hmm. and they. The, the theory is that they don't even think he can read. When he was seen to be making money, they said he's a businessman. When he scattered his money in charity, they said he's a careerist. When he refused to accept honours, they said he's an adventurer. When he rejected polite society, they said he's a peasant. Hmm. And you sort of you get this idea that it's about people continuing to do 
good in the world under their own morality whatever people around them say mm. and because it's the sort of thing where it's like people aren't all going to agree with you no one's going to think that like you can do as much good as in the world as you want and people are going to be shitty about you and think you're doing it for ulterior motives mm. so like just fucking stay the course and ignore the twats mm. basically i guess no matter how you behave there's always going to be yeah there's always going to be yeah, someone exactly trying to undermine you at any especially yeah. the fucking journos especially the fucking journals gossip right <laughs> magazines and stuff yeah like, like you can go. you can <laughs> see the modern adaptation where it's like the spinning news yeah. title oh, yeah, yeah. kind of transition and it's like some like woman just being like and today we find out that yeah, Pear yeah. Madeline has been blah blah <laughs> and like has anyone seen him read a book we don't think so more on that later <laughs> <laughs> And the head, like the the headline at the bottom, is just like Pear Madeline cannot read. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Um, 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 um. um by eighteen twenty, five years after his uh, arrival in Montreuil sur Mer, the services he had re- rendered were so outstanding, and the public opinion was so unanimous that the king at- again appointed him mayor of the town. Again, he refused. <laughs> But this time, faced by the prefect's rejection of his refusal and its insistence of the local dignitaries and supplication of the people in the streets, he finally gave way. And it was said that what induced him to change his mind were the words shouted at him almost angrily by an old woman standing in her doorway. A good mayor is a useful person. How can you hold back when you have the chance to do good? No! No! And there it is, you know, like that's the. Thank you, old random lady. Uh, yeah, that's it, isn't it? That's the mm. thing where it's just like, and it, like she literally sees into the heart of what he's doing, mm. and isn't like speculating anything. It's just like mm. I can see that you're trying to do good by not accepting. But consider. But consider, yeah. Mm. Aww. And you can just imagine him, and that just immediately is internalized. That he's mm. like. Oh, you're right. Now I have permission to do this thing. Because I have this opportunity, I have a responsibility to take it mm. and, like, lift the people around me in whatever way I can. It's the mm. thing where it's, like, the thing that you say sometimes, you know, where it's, like, ah, oh, if you don't do this, maybe someone worse will. Like, you're mm. not necessarily yeah. taking someone else's place. Mm. It's, like, you have the opportunity to do something good with this mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah, basically, like, what a fucking... How can you hold back when you have the chance to do good? It's yeah. just, like, it's a good... It's just mm. a good line. <laughs> like, mm. it's just a good a good thing. And you know as well, like, if somebody better did come along, or if he saw someone yeah. around yeah. him that was better suited for the job, he yeah, wouldn't exactly. accept. But mm. there is literally mm. nobody around him uh, in the space that Hugo has given us that yeah. could be a better alternative. He's not having to fight anyone for mm. it. Even that person who, like the other guy who wanted to be mayor yeah, or whatever yeah. like yeah. isn't somebody that he deems uh, someone who can do better than him mm. Mm. this was the third r- stage of his rise in the world Le Père Madeleine had become Monsieur Madeleine and Monsieur Madeleine had become Monsieur Le Maire and that's entirely skipped over in the movie and film <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well and actually that last paragraph implies that Hugo doesn't think we know who he is. His third stage in in the rise is his third stage uh, in his rise in the world. From 
Okay, so from pair to Monsieur. <laughs> pair to, to Monsieur. Monsieur. Monsieur to the Monsieur le Maire. By saying this man has had three sages mm. in rise, we're mm. ignoring the prequel. We're yeah. ignoring yeah. Jean Valjean being lifted up by the bishop. Yeah. Jean Valjean as he exists at two four six oh one. Yeah. And then Jean, Jean Valjean, Valjean the tree hedger. The hedge, hedge trimmer. The, the hedge trimmer and cute uncle. Yeah. Was that also three three rises? Yeah. Ah. Like he's on his sixth level. <laughs> sixth level, level six. <laughs> nice. Or just as in as that echoing that. Mm. Maybe. Should we be in our heads yeah. counting these and like, oh, mm. he had three rises. Who else do I know? Mm. Mm. No, if, if, that, if that's what he wanted to get from us, mm. Hugo would have said it to yeah. us. <laughs> well, I wonder whether it's it's. Um, I wonder whether any of his other personas will also have those three stages. Ooh, we're looking out for three. Yeah, three. Because well, it's quite a, it's quite a traditional sort of. Yeah. It's you know the like maiden mother crone mm. like it's that. But then I don't see I don't see hedge trimmer to criminal to, non criminal or like, post murder is yeah. like three, rising stages. Mm. What do you mean? Sorry, I don't don't think I understood that. Because this is very clearly, you've gone from father to mister to mayor, mm. but and that's three rising. He yeah. says three yeah, rising yeah, stages, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. hedge trimmer to two four six zero one to post Miriam, forgiven. yeah, mm-hmm. isn't really like three no. rising stages in no. a clear like. It's not rising stages. Oh, is that not what he said? No, this oh. is rising stages. Oh, yeah. yeah, but no, those I wouldn't say were. Mm. Mm. So three stages, yeah, mm. but I don't know. But I mean, also, it's quite a traditional narrative arc. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like quite a traditional um, yeah. way to structure narratives. So it could just be a coincidental thing. It's worth mm. keeping in mind yeah. like, when we get more Jean Valjean. All those persona. other things that we've said that we'd keep an eye on. <laughs> <laughs> Fate uh, versus uh, God. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're actually we're meant to be keeping an eye on. Okay. I have no comment on it I yet, but I just, just yeah. remember that I'm meant to be keeping an eye yeah. out. Oh yeah, is this a... I just remembered that I had written once mm. a thing about money. Is this a better interjection about... This 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 next chapter that we've just got to is called Sums Deposited with Lafitte. Okay, that sounds a better one. Mm. Um, 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 it describes him. He was grey-haired and grave-eyed with the tanned complexion of a working man and the thoughtful countenance of a philosopher. There's this... Monsieur Le Maire. Okay. <laughs> um, he ordinarily wore a, a broad-brimmed hat and a long tailcoat of broadcloth buttoned to the chin. He performed his official duties as mayor, but otherwise kept himself to himself, speaking to few people, evading courtesies, exchanging brief greetings and hastily passing on, smiling to avoid the need for speech and giving arms to avoid the need for smiling. The women called him a kind old bear. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Ooh, yeah. yeah, there it is. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, smiling to avoid the need for speech and giving arms to avoid the need for smiling. Mm-hmm. It's like some of the, some of those very neat little uh, sentences that mm-hmm. I I very much enjoy. His greatest pleasure was to go for walks through the countryside, and this is one of my favourite themes <laughs> in this because we have the references earlier on to when he escapes prison that he can't even engage with the world around him mm. he can't like he couldn't appreciate the world around him and it talks about him sort of like you know stricken on the moor but not being able to appreciate the beauty 
so it feels like that is sort of a, a complete arc in that way that like mm. and now that he's more fulfilled he's not terrified all the time i mm-hmm. guess and, like he can there's space in his life to be able to yeah. think about things yeah. that aren't about survival yeah yeah but i i feel like that's that's sort of what i would take from it but i think what victor hugo is saying is that like i think it's a sign for victor hugo of um like a well-rounded person Mm. sort of thing like because he's he's made efforts to improve himself like he is a sent he is found god so he can appreciate god's work Mm. it made me think about how um a lot of like au's about jean valjean in fan fiction Mm. is about him becoming like a really big gardener and stuff and like there is stuff about that in later on Mm. but the, the thought of like nature and god kind of makes me think of gardening as like playing god where you're like actively like nurturing yeah. things and like you're guiding this entire universe that this mm. plant lives in mm. in order to grow things a certain way or to like give them light and happiness mm. and food mm. and stuff which is i'd never thought about it that way but yeah. it kind of sounds like kind of insidious but in a weird way that getting being able to be in touch with god so that you are in touch with nature so that you can play God with nature. <laughs> I think I would reframe that to like being it, like him as gardener is about nurturing. Mm. It's about like on a smaller scale, like the yeah. him being yeah. the gardener, him tending the crop mm. and you mm. know nurturing it, allowing it to grow, and then being able to feed his family with that sort of like mm-hmm. like I. Like I see, I see where you're, I don't think that. I like, think it's one of those funny things, though. Like with any metaphor, like yeah, you take it like yeah, a slight side yeah. step, and then you're like, wait a second, it's <laughs> just like emulating versus playing. Yeah, emulating God versus yeah. playing God. Yeah. Like one word yeah. with a very similar meaning makes such a difference. Mm. 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 In gardening and Bible things, you've always got like Garden of Eden and imagery that mm. kind of he's has space in his life to find paradise. Mm. All that. Yeah. Mm. This is Stevie, your Christianity consultant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but that's true, isn't it? That That's also, that's him. He tends the world around mm. him. Like, he, that that is something that he actively does. He mm. is, like, he is the gardener of people in, like, in this, mm. in the way that he is, has nurtured and kept giving to, giving to this town. And, and he's making, like... By setting up the rule of women have to be moral is creating that apple... Oh my god, we can't Oh shit! <laughs> is Eve! Yeah. And, and and he follows her and falls. Yeah. <laughs> man was meant to tend the garden. Interesting. Yeah, because, yeah. Fun oh god, we, <laughs> we did yeah. Claim is the fucking Bible yeah, well, it, <laughs> it I mean, is. it I mean, is. It is. Like, it is. But then he's, like, shifted between different, like... Yeah, different people as different yeah. things. But it's reframed. It's not that Fontaine like is tempted and condemned it's the world which destroys them yeah they like and and he falls after her mm. in order to save her if you know what i mean like mm. he the, has yeah. to let go of the mare in order to there's you know, that reading of adam and eve though but because she fell fast mm. of course there's the very yeah. i would say this that she tricks yeah. adam but she was going to be cast out mm. that you could say he chose to follow her for safety because mm. the 
wild animals mm. outside of the garden would mm. have potentially killed her and she was pregnant so we've got mm. all the mothers mm. protect you so there could be that parallel yeah then deciding d- depending how you choose to read the bible mm. Mm. isn't there also a really common argument about like you know setting up this paradise the garden of eden and stuff mm. Mm. and the argument that it is society that makes eve eat the apple or like the apple itself isn't the isn't the bad thing or like I yeah don't know. no it, it is all meant to be a mm. metaphor for mm. that kind of and like kind of with good omens and stuff being the most <laughs> recent relevant mm. example well, of like the apple there if, exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah so kind of like if if Bajon is making this the Garden of Eden, mm. not specifically making Fontaine guilty of anything, mm. but literally it's other... I was going to say it's just human nature, but that's not what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It, like, other people condemning this one woman for an alleged sin that mm. will be passed down for the future and stuff. Yeah. So it's an anti-Bible... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not... That's I don't think that's a stretch. Like, mm. I think... I don't think having that parallel and Victor Hugo twisting it to suit his own narratives is Mm. like we've seen him saying this is what I think Christianity should be Mm. throughout the text Mm. like I don't think that's a stretch at all like him reinterpreting the fall like the the fall of man Mm. into Mm. a way that reflects his like moral arguments about society I don't think that's a fucking stretch at Mm. all like I think that makes that makes pretty consistent sense Mm. like Clever. <laughs> Sometimes we land yeah. on things, maybe. She does get cast out of society. Yeah. Mm. But obviously this is just one potential yeah, reading of from, from like, huh, I guess maybe he's a gardener. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. can't say garden without me being like yeah. Eden. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 so um he always eats alone um with a book so he can read. Um <laughs> He has a small but well-selected library. Um, Any popular novels in there? No, absolutely not. (laughs) Like, he does not read smutty pulp fiction. (laughs) He he loves books. Those undemanding but faithful friends. And it's... (laughs) Yeah, he's he's striving to improve himself as he has more leisure time. He uses it to improve himself. And his use of language becomes more refined, less uncouth and more discriminating. (laughs) <laughs> and I think that's discriminating in the like he is more discriminating with his use of words mm. isn't he uses less <laughs> not, he comes out with new slurs discerning be a better word translator I occasionally remember uh, I don't think we ever did a proper big episode on translations mm. but occasionally when we'll really get into a word I'll be like ah oh, yes this is a translation mm. yeah. and yeah. remembering that they've given different Context. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, 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 ooh, here's an interesting weird one. He often carried a shotgun on his walks. But <laughs> <laughs> but Guns right activist well, John yeah, Paul John. It's weird, yeah, but seldom uses it. Whenever he did so, however, he was a terrifyingly good marksman. He never <laughs> killed a harmless animal or shot at a small bird. So it's not for elephants then? It's not for elephants. You didn't say that it isn't. Just not for small animals and birds. That's true. Large animals. animals. Harmless. Elephants can harm you. Mm. Yeah. I feel like what Victor Hugo is doing here (laughs) 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 is he's like, it's, it's harking back to, he was, um, he was 
arrested for poaching. Yeah. So it's now he has the freedom to walk with a gun mm. um, and shoot animals. Like, it's, it's, mm. I feel like it's sort of that consistent parallel. And also, um, he was a terrifyingly good marksman. We're laying groundwork for mm-hmm. things that happen later on yeah. in, the, in the novel. The assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it's setting up for. Yes. I don't think I've read one of those. No, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. I think there's one out there. There must be. I feel like I've read every Jean Valjean Javert fake though. Maybe that wasn't the shit. Oh, you've been reading This is how it comes out that I've been reading the fix. Oh my god! Stevie! (laughs) I wasn't sure how long I was going to sit on it. That's it. That's That's the end of the fucking podcast. This is the end of the podcast. This is all we really wanted to achieve. (laughs) Yeah. Done it. I cracked his suit. Yeah. Yeah. A year and a half. Keep going. The, um, this is this is more of things for Stevie that she had referred to earlier. Though he was no younger, no, no younger. <laughs> though he was no longer young, it, it was said of him that he was immensely strong. He had a helping hand for whoever needed it. <laughs> I have read that thick. <laughs> had a, um, would hoist a fallen horse to its feet, put a shoulder to a bogged down wheel, grasp the horns of an escaped bull. <laughs> you swallow that water. <laughs> he always left home with a pocket full of small change and came back with it empty. When he walked through the village, the ragged children ran after him in delight, swarming around him like flies. So this is something that I was having a conversation with the other day. It says a pocket full of small change. So maybe that answers it. But again, thinking about like a modern AU of Les Mis... Mm. If Valjean was walking through a street, how much money would he give to someone on the street? Mm. Would he give a five? Would he give one pound, a fiver, a tenner, yeah. twenty quid, fifty quid, a hundred quid? Like, would he set them up with a bank account and mm. like PayPal them twenty thousand twenty thousand pounds? Like, because because even I, like I don't have a lot of money mm. when I'm only able to give one pound or two pounds or sometimes a lot of the time Mm. nothing Mm. I always feel like oh if only I had a five pound note or if only I had a ten pound note or if only I had a twenty pound note and then I can only imagine as you have more of a disposable income Mm. like a fifty pound note relatively means nothing to you and Mm. so for literal millionaire Jean Valjean Mm. to carry a pocket full of small change yeah I, I don't know if that again translation, mm. but like. But are we also assuming that he has done the economy so good? Yeah, that he that, did, yeah. that he if he needed to carry more than that, are we kind of the idealized picture I got from the last chapter was that he set everyone up so good that the small changes just as a yeah. like oh children for your sweets and that's why yeah. it's the children yeah. Yeah. yeah that that's it but you I could eradicate also... <laughs> you eradicate homelessness and then yeah. you eradicate the need to give small change to people yeah, yeah that's exactly right yeah you've solved that okay. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it could also be read not that way mm. but um based just on the last chapter and where we're up to in the book yeah. um, and how that I just and that yeah that it's the image of like the children follow him for that and mm. find so much joy in it that it mm. seems like the kind of like okay for sweeties mm. kind of thing mm. that's sort of that's sort of the way that I 
red fat and mm. that's the um the i think as well he active he like sets aside time the the impression that i got was he goes out and gives arms mm, mm, mm. but whenever he leaves the house he also has like a handful of coins right like okay. I, I like i sort of see them yeah. as two different like yeah. i i 100 percent like get that like the thing where like someone asks for money and it's the mm. like i live very much by what would Javashan do like mm. that like it does occur to me and it's the thing where you give different amounts depending on what you're carrying and also like bullshittily like the connection that you make with someone you know mm. like speaking to them what you can give is what you can what you can give and I, mm. I can imagine him going out to give alms and giving more but it's but I think a lot of it does come from what you were saying then about by him putting money into the community like yeah poverty is eradicated which is idealized and not mm. not possible in a capitalist society but like it, yeah i mean he's got a very small world that he's living in and yeah. so can control yeah, the conditions exactly where he that. can like mm. decide that he's going to eradicate poverty in this mm. area because yeah. he knows where the boundaries are mm. i'm assuming that with this town you would maybe have a couple people living in the countryside yeah. like a couple what miles out mm. but then after that that's not really your problem you are yeah. the mayor of this town yeah. Yeah. and it's not like oh you're the mayor of the city of london it's yeah. like you're the mayor mm. of a couple thousand people maybe yeah. Yeah. that you can probably if not learn everyone know everyone's face yeah mm. although saying that there's the scene later with fontine and the other working women who need to work for mm. Well, they, 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 that's what, like, they all have jobs. I mean, the, like, uh, oh, sex, sex worker women? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Is that's that true, still true. part of this town? Mm. That is, we'll come yeah, back to this question when yeah. I know more about this yeah. town. Yeah. Well, is I guess that might be to do more of reputation and society, ho mm -hmm. society holding them back rather than, mon like... That they need money? More, more that they, they probably do need money, but probably can't go into jobs like... Jean mm -hmm. Jean. like the yes. big problem is that yeah. it's the people in those jobs keeping them out and not the fact that these jobs aren't available to mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. it's people like the foreman or like people who know that they've probably done sex work before mm -hmm. or that they have reputations as having children without a father and stuff yeah. like that exactly Fontaine mm -hmm. who keep them out of the jobs or mm -hmm. like prevent them from easily working or even if they did get these jobs like what kind of job is it if you have to spend all your time being harassed by these people yeah. so it's probably easier in scare quotes to find your way into a job like at the docks and stuff yeah. like that mm -hmm. one of those kind of yeah there is there is the implication that he has eradicated poverty and that if you need a job you can get it you can go and get one at the factory but then there is that qualifying factor which is you must be of good morals mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. honesty, so that tracks. I think. I mm. think that that sort of seems to make sense within the text. Um, I could be more well read this. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's like it's a, a small thing, but I like it. He must have uh, must have at some time lived in the country, for he possessed such recondite knowledge, which he passed on to the peasants. He taught them how to destroy corn moth by spraying the barn and smoke, soaking the cracks in the floor with a solution of common salt. And how to get rid of boll weevil by hanging bunches of orviot in the orviot blossom in the walls and in the roofs of storerooms and cottages. 
He had recipes against vetch and ground ivy and other parasitic weeds that invade a cornfield. He protected a rabbit enclosure against rats by simply with the scent of a small Barbary pig in which he had installed in it. Yeah, we get this we get this idea of a a practical man as mm. well who knows how to knows how to how to live um live as the poor people do as well as manage them. On one occasion he watched a party of country folk busily engaged with pulling up nettles. Contemplating the uprooted and withering plants, he said, They're dead, but it would be a good thing if use was made of them. The young nettle is an excellent vegetable. As it ages, it develops fibres like those of hemp or flax. Nettle cloth is as good as hemp cloth. Chopped nettles can be fed to poultry and mashed nettles are good for cattle. Nettle seed mixed with their fodder gives the animals a glossy skin. The roots mixed with salt produces an admirable yellow dye. Moreover, nettles are a crop which can be harvested twice a year, and they need almost nothing, very little space and no husbanding nor cultivation. Their only drawback is that as the seed falls as it ripens and is difficult to harvest. With very little trouble, nettles can be put to use, becoming neglected, they become obnoxious and they are therefore destroyed. How many men share the fate of that nettle? In case you hadn't got the <laughs> metaphor that was being extended there. After a moment of silence, he added, My friends, remember this. There are no bad plants or bad men. There is only bad husbandry. This, I think, is also in the paragraph where he le- he is doing some stuff with straw. The children mm-hmm. loved him especially because he knew how to make fascinating toys out of straw and coconuts. Uh. Yeah, that was like, this whole bit, Nemo will like this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mm. it, it's literally one of my favourite parts of the book and yeah. the straw, the idea of making the toys out of the straw. One of the small details that sticked with me from reading it the first time mm. that I was just like, oh man, <laughs> the nettle thing I didn't pick up the first time, but wow, <laughs> you really... <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's This is a common weed that can mm. be used with very little care. Mm. Mm but has great use and that's basically what these last few chapters have been Mm. has been like as soon as you put a little tiny bit of care into this Mm. something will flourish and and if you change your perspective on something Mm. you literally just have to stop thinking oh it's a weed and i should destroy it to oh it's food for literally everything and can has health benefits Mm. right it's a plant again and not a weed yeah wild wild (laughs) yeah well, yeah, that's the thing. It's that there are there are no bad bad plants or bad men. There is only bad husbandry. That's that thing again about society, about the way that society treats people, making them into what they are, mm. rather than like it's like he doesn't he doesn't say nettles are like a nettle is a nettle, mm. and the way you treat it makes it what it is. Mm. Like if you leave it, it becomes overgrown and becomes a nuisance. Mm. But if you use it. Mm. it's useful and valuable to you which mm. is i guess some capital- capitalistic bullshit as well but yeah, <laughs> yeah you can see yeah. what they're doing mm. this is something i wanted to ask you guys about when he saw a church door draped in black he entered seeking out funerals as other men, other men seek out christenings widowhood and the afflictions of others appealed appealed to his strongly compassionate nature he mingled with the mourners and the priests chanting around a coffin it seemed that the words of funeral psalms, with their vision of another world, were especially attuned to his thoughts. He listened with eyes uplifted, as though straining th- towards the mysteries of the infinite, to 
the sad voices singing on the threshold of the abyss of death. What is he looking for? So he likes listening to those particular songs? Yeah, because of the, the visions of another world. The I'd have to properly look into it, but mm. I think the traditional funeral rites generally is that sort of ashes to ashes, dust to dust, mm. going on to a better place, to be with God, to be closer with God, leaving the earthly whatever. Mm. If that's... I don't know, I feel like there'd be so many ways of reading into it, the, like, idealised death, mm. potentially, of, like, he wants to do the best he can now, but, like, looks forward to when the work is over, you could read into that, mm. potentially. Uh, I think that fits, I think that tracks for here, in that, like, he's doing all this stuff but nowhere has it said anything that's really made him happy like it said that he's like mm-hmm. gone around uh, um, to the countryside and stuff but I would conjecture from what happens in the future that he's mm. probably very lonely mm. and like still even though he's being now he's actually being treated as a respectful mayor but he's still not being treated as a human and he's not got like human relationships mm. So yeah, probably the idealised, like, okay, so now I'm only here to do my duty and I'm not here as a human, Mm. I'm just a vessel. So maybe that, like, maybe one of those things, like, when you, when you're so depersonalised or when you've had so much, like, shit on you and then you just see other people, like, having really intense human emotions and you can't Mm. even, like, you feel like that detachment from it and stuff. I guess a funeral mm-hmm. is like a huge jarring experience for someone who's got literally has no one to mourn and then he's he's not a human because he doesn't have mm. people around him. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, if it hadn't specifically then said like about the Psalms, it would have maybe said like, oh, I thought it was going into a he goes to the funerals as a like show of support yeah. into like mm. I think he does that as well. Yeah. But that he's sort of hanging back and is like having this connection with and everyone at this time, uh sorry, the contemporary reader of this book would know off the top of the like off yeah. by heart what those sounds were. That it, if he's having such a connection mm. with that. But yeah, I guess so probably yeah also is to support the widows mm. but I thought it, like initially was like oh and he's going straight in there to be mm. like what can I do but that mm. he's this is actually a moment for him as well mm. I think I have an idea as well that because he's looking for he's looking for redemption mm. it's just something that he's looking for he's not someone for, because of stuff that happens later in the book right mm. he's doesn't see himself as someone who is forgiven mm-hmm. Does he doesn't see himself as someone who is like he sees himself as someone who is doing the work for God, but he doesn't see himself as someone who has been forgiven and accepted. Mm-hmm. I wonder whether him standing at the side of funerals, um, listening with eyes uplifted as though straining towards the mysteries of the infinite, mm. um, to the sad voices singing on the threshold of, of the abyss of death, what he is doing, he's looking for the redemption that comes through death because in in the way that we've seen say um the scene of the conventionalist 
um, the the guy who had been who had um, been in the rebellion who convinces oh yeah yeah, um, yeah. Bishop Muriel mm-hmm. and has that moment in death where he's highlighted mm-hmm. by the sun and it's clear that God has forgiven him mm-hmm. and he gets the last word with um, Bishop Muriel and completely changes him and it's through death that he received redemption mm-hmm. and and peace mm. I would hazard that that's what that's what Valjean is looking mm. for which is like a huge which really changes my whole idea of Les Mis in that you know the whole like oh what did the barricade boys die for Yeah, it's well it's not just like oh now they're dead they're gone. It means nothing. Yeah. Their the, the blood on the on the pavement. Yeah. But now if Hugo is basically setting up that... That martyrdom means something. Yeah. And that, as soon as, and, and that, that moment between life and death is mm. when you are touching God or you're yeah. the closest to God, then whatever you're doing at that time of death is incredibly important. Mm. So then... What char- what characters are thi- obviously their last thought is incredibly important, mm, and we yeah. get like basically every character's last thought because mm. everyone fucking dies. But like, <laughs> spoiler alert, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. But then, like, what you as the reader should yeah. be taking as a moral lesson is basically every last thought that happened, or, 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 or that threshold between life mm. and death and God. And mm. I know it's probably very yeah. like obvious especially in like the stage play when the huge like white light shines down on you but i as someone who wasn't raised very christian Mm. christian at all Mm. but that idea of like that moment of going straight to god hadn't really i i still kind of think still kind of thought of christianity as like you go to a purgatory first and then you get judged Mm -hmm. before going to see if you're going through heaven or hell, mm, yeah. right? So the There's I- different kinds of Christianity that yeah. think right. different okay. things. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. The idea that you you do have that personal connection with God hadn't yeah. really occurred to me. Mm. But like, it always in my head the imagery was always that you met someone at the gates first, and mm. then that decided whether you're going to see God. Mm. The fact that they have that personal connection is like mm. wild and new to mm. me. Yeah. So. Mm. It, it does depend on the type of Christianity, which is why when we were doing Muriel, I was like, mm. I think he's this, and then I think it turned mm. out I was wrong, and I was like, mm. I still think that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. Uh, probably at this time you would sort of assume a certain amount of um, judgment, but that if they, because we've got, I assume, Fontaine coming up at some mm. point, her death, mm. it's going to be interesting to see how that is worded compared to like his moments in the funerals Mm. um, but that if these couple of characters have such a specific not is that the right word that they do have this like connection straight to god Mm. that that is why they're so important whether or not Mm. there is a purgatory involved in these whatever type of christianity is going on Mm. that they are there's something about them that is direct line Mm. It feels it feels like it might be when you look at um, Valjean's death versus, say, like a more obvious one like Javert's death. Mm-hmm. Like there is that Valjean slipping away peacefully in the church, versus 
um, Javert literally falling Mm-mm. into the cold. Mm. Like, it's, like, it feels more direct mm. in this. I think, like, like I would, I would say that, like, here, it feels like it's, it's him seeking the moment of redemption in his death that we mm. know that he doesn't get until the end of the book. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, he performed countless acts of kindness with as much precaution as though they were misdeeds. I love this. He would <laughs> secretly enter a house after dark and go furtively up the stairs, and some poor devil returning to his attic would find that the door had been opened and even forced in his absence. <laughs> his instant thought would be that he had been robbed, but then he would find nothing gone in a gold piece lying on the table. <laughs> the miscreant was Pere Madeleine. <laughs> You definitely said something about that. Earlier. Yeah, like he literally breaks into people's houses to leave money there. It's fucking mm. ridiculous. Um, um, he is friendly but sad. He's a man of mystery. Um, his um, dwelling is set up much in the same way as Muriel's um, was. It's described as a real anchorite's cell, and I didn't know what an anchorite mm. was, and I looked it up, uh, and it's in a religious re- recluse. Okay, so that's what an anchorite is. Yep. This is character growth. <laughs> um, um, so it's you know it's this very bare room with commonplace mahogany fur- furniture and cheap paper on the walls, um, and some elegant and audacious in square um, scare quotes young women ask him if they can see his bedroom because it's meant to be <laughs> <laughs> it's meant to be like a cave, and um, he sh- he sh- smiles and shows them in, and there's nothing remarkable except for two candlesticks of an antiquated uh. design on the mantelpiece, mm. which were presumably silver. So maybe that's mm. that's the reveal. Yeah, yeah. silver. Yeah, mm. exactly. Um, so yeah, it was rumoured that he has immense sums on deposit in in the bank and that by special arrangement these were held at his immediate disposal so that he could walk into the bank and after whenever he chose after signing a receipt walk out with two or three millions in his pocket oh my god Um, the reality of the two or three millions as we have said was the sum of 630 or 40 thousand francs Mm. but there is that impression that even after all of this he is ready to drop and run Mm. whenever Mm. That must have been suspicious when he's done. So I know you don't usually do this. (laughs) (laughs) I need to be able to take it all immediately. (laughs) When the police come, I need to run. Can you do that for me? (laughs) I'll not be suspicious to the client. Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I think by the time he'd given that much money, it wasn't even. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So you'd be like, sure, you can have that much when you need. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Was there stuff you want to um, say about um, the money stuff? So I think I've actually brought this quote up before a hundred years ago. Mm. Wait, who was <laughs> this? Yeah. I think this is from Victor Hugo and the Visionary Novel by Victor Brombert. That sounds like a Harry Potter title. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, calls into question the money motif that the bishop teach Jean, teaches Jean Valjean to make money and fortune. Money is associated through his rehabilitation process uh, with bourgeoisie virtues and values. Hmm. I would say that you can see that in, like, in the the way that, like, even though he doesn't spend a lot of money, the um, thing that it talks about, like him working to improve himself, like, mm. it, like, and like he starts to culture his voice doesn't he like mm. he starts to like become yeah, more, yeah like i would say that that 
be interesting. It's interesting to think about it in the this this kind of character growth of him like ascending the his descent and his ascent are both because of capitalism. Yeah. 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 Well, the the reason I it like stuck in my head so much was just the the bishop teaches Jean Valjean to make money. Yeah. That like so yeah in there and I kind of had that in mind when we were reading the Muriel Jean Valjean interaction, and then sort of from watching the movie that I was like. Does he teach him to make money? That, that that felt like an interesting take. I guess it is kind of true in a way, but just... I mean, he, intru- he, he like, kicks him into capitalism, mm. I would say, because he, he doesn't say, hey... He, he, he Muriel knowingly gives Valjean these things, knowing that he's going to sell them and then have money, mm. and that he will have a... A good entryway into a capitalist society. Yeah, support himself. Yeah, mm. and then that whole thing with the nettles and the usefulness and setting up these factories and ending poverty, blah blah blah. It's all. He's making a very well-oiled machine, but is still keeping the machine running and mm. all that kind of bullshit. Yeah, I, I don't think like I don't think Victor Hugo is even in a position to like question capitalism as not being an option yeah i think it's i think it's more of a like capitalism can be done badly or can be done well yeah like i don't think he's enough of that sort of <laughs> yeah, yeah, to, like yeah. push it beyond that he's it's not like, like let's start communism yeah. in this small friend like he yeah. touch he touches mm. on like the ideas and that like the rich people must reinvest mm. in the mm. society that they live in mm. like he like the wages for the the wages for the schoolmasters come mm, from mm. his own pocket. He makes a free um, a pocket free and stuff like yeah, there's yeah. like it. Yeah, proto is yeah, like proto socialism yeah. sort of thing, but it's not like yes. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I just thought yeah. it was interesting and wanted. Yeah, yeah. There's a further one, but I'll save it for next time. Okay. <laughs> cool. I feel like we talked about some interesting stuff today. We did. Mm. This has been This has been from Brackets, <laughs> Luma's podcast, produced by me, Nemo Martin and Julian Yapfield as the Captain's Collections podcast. If you have any comments, questions or quibbles, you can email us. Our email address is Luma's Podcast, L E S M I S Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can send us an ask on Tumblr at Bread and Barricades or on Twitter at Lemos Podcast. Our audio director is Jade, who's in the room having a nice nap. You might have been able to hear her breathing slowly soften out. <laughs> you all have a really nice narration voice. <laughs> like especially Grace when you're reading just now, you're like, Oh, that's actually really nice and then I I did I did not off but sorry. <laughs> you can find Jade on her new website, jdwasabi.com, J D W A S A B I dot com. If you like this episode and you'd like to help send Stevie to the library, our Kofi is in the show notes. Also in the show notes you can find our Discord and our transcripts and bibliography. Uh, we mentioned, uh, Stevie mentioned some of the secondary research that she did for this and you can find all of that kind of stuff in the bibliography. 
Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. It, this won't be in Pride Month. Last week I took over an, the social media for another podcast. If you like book podcasts, <laughs> I mean, you've made it this far. You probably do. Grace and I, and not Stevie, one day we'll get you on it. <laughs> yeah. um, co-host another podcast with some amazing people. You can find us on Twitter at Represented Pod uh, or on Facebook, same Represented Pod. We get books that have under three stars on Goodreads and we see if they deserve those under three stars <laughs> or not. Spoiler alert, they usually do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks for Thanks listening. Thanks for listening. Nice Good work, kids. <laughs>